1: And, and this, this is, is DBT and Me. Hello! And I always want to say good morning or good afternoon or something, but then break I yourself of it. somebody could be listening to this at two in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> no shame. I don't know what your schedule is. Uh, anyway, welcome! Hello! And this week, we are doing part two. Of our Emotions 101. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week we were talking about what are those darn emotion things anyway? Yep. Uh. (laughs) And hopefully, as I recall, we we went on a bit.
0: Oh, yeah. I think it was our longest episode
1: yet. (laughs) Pretty confident in that. (laughs) And that was part one. We... Yeah. We're a bit talkative on the subject. We'll
0: see if part two is shorter, <laughs> but we definitely do not make any guarantees. Um, yeah,
1: but this episode we're more or less going to be covering, well, yeah, well, yeah, what do they do for us? Why do we have them? Yes. Why do we honestly. have emotions? And then towards the end, just a little bit of like, what if this is really hard? Yeah. Some explanations about why and some reasons to be nice to yourself about it. Yes,
0: totally, because... Yeah, I mean, after talking last week about what emotions are, we did, we gave a lot of information, but then, you know, we thought about it before we even recorded that one of, you know, we can talk about what emotions are all day, but it can bring up a lot of these questions of, yeah, why we have them, what good do they do? Yeah, what's the purpose? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. And the first thing that emotions really do for us that we want to dive into is this idea that emotions get us ready to take action. And I talked about this some last week when I told the the lion story, as I call
1: it. Um, The fight or flight story. Fight or flight. Yeah, exactly.
0: Fight, flight, or freeze is probably the most common example of what fear does to get us ready for action in some way. But emotions more or less guide what we do. There's this idea a little bit that once you think something or feel something, then after that, you make the decision what to do. And this happens very, very quickly. But if we didn't feel our emotions, if we didn't have emotions, it would actually
1: be really hard to make decisions. Literally <laughs> impossible to yeah. show people. I was watching, or somebody watched. All right, this might be fourth hand. I don't remember. But, <laughs> <laughs> memory. But if someone like, literally doesn't have any fear or any like, if they're emotionally deadened for some reason, mm-hmm. like there's medical conditions that can cause this kind of thing, it can take them like three hours to pick a box of pasta because they have nothing yeah to push them in a direction yeah. and so like mundane decisions become actually close to literally impossible mhm which is fascinating to me yep yeah we probably
0: don't think about how much our emotions really drive us to make choices and then to consequently take action but like i don't know i was just thinking about this as a really random example but right now i'm wearing super 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 Comfy clothes. I'm just wearing sweatpants and so are you. I'm Um, essentially in pajamas. This is why
1: you guys can't see us.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Um, But something motivated me to put on comfy clothes today. I was kind of like, oh that would feel really nice to wear. I just want to be comfy today. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't have my emotions telling me what to do, uh, who knows what would have happened or what (laughs) action I would have taken or how long it would have taken. So some of this goes very quickly. And we talked about that, you know, some in the last episode about um, how long it takes emotions to run their courses in our bodies and all of that. And we make some decisions very spur of the moment, very outside of our conscious awareness. But emotions get us ready to to do things. So, I mean, we talked some last week about what fear does for us, but, you know, there can be questions out there of like, but what about anger or what about oh, Anger gets such a bad rap. It's or, my favorite. Yeah, like why, why those emotions? What do those spur us to do? And I'll talk some about anger, but then whatever I forget <laughs> early about, you can fill in the blanks about this because this is something we talk about a lot in groups is anger is so important because if you think about – wanting a change, or I think about protests, Mm -hmm. those people are all pissed. Yeah, any social movement, none of them have happened without anger. (laughs) Yep, you first have to be angry about something in order to want to do something to change it a lot of times, Mm -hmm. and anger also really helps keep us safe, for better or worse, if you are walking down the street and you see someone who is angry, and you might know that because they're Yelling, or maybe their body posture indicates you're know, puffing up a little bit, and you're like, Oh, god, that person's really angry. You're probably going to want to stay on the other side of the street, you're probably not going to want to approach them because yeah, they're is. not seeming very approachable. So, anger really helps with <laughs> keeping people out, yeah. I guess I would say, like, if there's someone in your life who's um unhealthy for you in some way, and you may not even realize you're doing this, but if you get big and loud and angry. Because anger typically looks big and loud, not always for everyone. But that definitely keeps people at arm's length when you don't want people to get too close. It's honestly the best defense mechanism we have, I feel like. I
1: also feel like anger provides courage. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, anger often is the thing that allows... Like, it's energizing, right? Anger Mm -hmm. is not a slothful emotion. (laughs) Like, it comes with so much energy and it, it and, and a bit some you know, hopefully not too much, but a bit of fearlessness, right? Mm-hmm. Like anger is what makes us stand up to the bully, right? Like anger is the thing that can get us to stand up for our rights, for our position, right? Anger mm-hmm. can be kind of a flag that we're being wronged mm-hmm. or someone that we care about is an extension of us, our our family or our community or mm-hmm. our, you know, people. Yeah, I totally. just realized as we're talking that it's impossible to leave out the other things that emotions do as we talk about all yeah, of that. There's going <laughs> to probably be a mingling. lot of crossover. <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to happen. Anger is important. Don't yeah. give it a bad, bad rap.
0: Yeah, it's really important. And one of the things that um, and I really legitimately can't recall if I said this last week or not but it bears repeating even if I did say it. It's something too that we talk about in groups and I talk about it with my clients fairly frequently is that anger typically doesn't come alone it typically oh, yeah. has another emotion following right behind it or underneath the surface of it which can be really anything but typically is um fear or hurt yeah and that anger sometimes presents as a front to again keep those more tender emotions mm-hmm. feeling safe and under wraps if it's if it doesn't feel okay to express them mm-hmm. in the moment so anger serves lots of purposes and anger Does. motivates us to do
1: a lot Great of things. things, yeah. Yeah, it
0: really does. Um, and so then moving on to thinking about sadness a little bit. Sadness, ooh, sadness gets kind of tougher. I feel like. But I feel you like were it... saying something about it before we started recording today about like m- moving
1: away from something or moving towards. Is that relevant here? Yeah, no, it is because I think I think it's the one that almost does neither. I think, like, a lot of emotions... uh, Right now, Michelle's been talking about, like, the five core emotions we were talking about last week. that's a good thing to mention Um, about this. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not picking emotions out of the air. Um, But, you know, a lot of them motivate us toward things, right? Mm -hmm. Either in aggression or in, you know, happiness. Like, ooh, I want more of that, right? So there's either... To beat it up or to get more of it. Um, Or there's emotions that pull us away from things. But sadness, I think, is the one that actually is like the the message of sadness in a lot of ways is to slow down. Yeah. It is kind of an inert, that's not quite what I mean, but it keeps us still Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I think it's one of the ones that instead of preparing us for motion in the moment, like because of the feeling, it's sort of a slow down, rest, soothe, take care of yourself. Yeah. Right? Maybe stop moving. A little bit.
0: (laughs) I agree with all of that. And then as you were talking, it made me think, too, that for me, at least, sadness can really motivate me towards seeking out nurturing from other people. Like when I feel sad, that's when I'm like, I want a hug. Or, I, you know, I want to be in the company of other people who are going to be good, healthy, comforting Caretakers, people yes. for me. Yeah, that sadness really motivates me to not... I mean, it can certainly lead to isolation, but also, oh, it, yeah. you know, there's a reason why we have funerals. I mean, there's a reason for it, because when you're grieving alone, mm-hmm. that does not feel good at all. And then when you can grieve with others... Um, as just one example, then that can help us through the process. So I don't know, but it motivates me towards that a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't want to be alone. I feel sad and I want, and again, what you were touching on, rest, soothing, some of that I can maybe do for myself, but I really want other people around me. That makes sense. And I think when you feel sad, which Kate, you'll probably touch on this a little bit about how our emotions communicate with others. Here comes that crossover we're talking about. Um, But... It's one of those things, too, that when we see someone sad, we often, I think, want to just naturally go towards towards them them and comfort them. And so it creates connection, honestly, even if it's over something hard. Um, And what you were saying also really leads nicely into disgust, how disgust is certainly one of those things that is like, stay away. (laughs) Don't (laughs) go near that thing. I mean, if we didn't feel disgust, we would not live very long because we get ourselves into all sorts of situations that could be dangerous or situations where we could, you know, eat something horrible for us, get sick, you know, you see Which someone me. coughing and you're like, "ugh." <laughs> yes. It really keeps us safe and encourages us to move away from the things that are not going to be good for us.
1: Yeah, but whether it be literal things like, my God, can you imagine if you weren't disgusted by spoiled milk? Uh-huh. Um, to things like what that person is doing totally. is disgusting. Yeah. Totally, right? That can help keep toxic behaviors or unsafe behaviors mm-hmm. out of our sphere if we're like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so... That it, is not okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, and thinking back to fight or flight, right, it motivates us to flee, in a way, maybe yes. not as quickly or as intensely as fear. as fear, but still giving us this message of get away from that. You yeah. don't want to consume that or you don't want to be around that person. That's how it. And m- anger is one m- of those motivates, motivates there. towards,
1: mm-hmm. in a sense, either towards an aggression, like towards another person or towards our goal. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do think yeah. of anger as a towards. Yeah. Not away from.
0: Absolutely. I would agree with that. And because we touched on fear a little bit last week, I think the last thing to touch on is joy, mm-hmm. you know, which is that, like you said, joy is like, I want more of that. Yep. <laughs> um, and honestly, it was probably when I talked about the super silly example of picking my clothes this morning, that was probably joy. i just kind of like, ah, this will make me feel like really like – calm and happy today if I'm just in my comfy clothes and yeah, you guys contended. can't see what I'm doing but I'm like cuddling, cuddling giving myself a hug and cuddling sweatshirt. her sweatshirt <laughs> yeah and that's that's somewhere on the joy spectrum of emotions that we can feel so yeah when we feel joy that gives us so many important messages about yeah what we want to go towards and it spurs us on to try to get Yeah, just more of that thing Mm -hmm. and to take action to have really positive experiences in our lives when we feel joy about them. If we did everything and didn't feel joy while we were doing it, it would probably never motivate us to do it again. That'd be so sad. I know. And another random example for myself with that is I really like roller coasters. (laughs) I love roller coasters. So right, you know, somewhere that started when I was pretty young, and now every time you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity. I see a theme park, I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, I want to go ride. You roller know, coaster. I, yeah, I want to go be on the rides, and that's joy. That's joy motivating me to want to be like, I'm gonna go do that thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. So our action, our, our actions, our emotions, they really give us a lot of information about what action to take. That's a huge reason why we have them.
1: Yep, they are they are goads and. I don't know how to put that. Like they go us towards or away for things. Mm-hmm. They're guides yep. in a lot of ways. Absolutely. So I think we're moving into how emotions communicate to others, um, and I think this is great, actually, Michelle, because um, I think I hadn't thought about it until we were you were talking about it. But the like move towards or away. Mm-hmm. Um, same. <laughs> Just <laughs> often... with people. <laughs> People. Yeah, with other people. Yeah, rather right? than things. Yeah, or, with other yeah. things. Because, and not necessarily but that's communicating about us. I think this is great when you're talking about like the person being really angry out on the sidewalk or whatever. Mm-hmm. That person is clearly communicating to the world around them yeah. that they probably ought not to be approached. Yeah. Right? They're having a bad day. That is a stay away communication. Yes. Right? Or an I'm a threat communication mm-hmm. depending on what it is. Right? Um, and We Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit, rather than going into the specific emotions yet, because how do emotions communicate to other people? Um, Several different ways. Um, One is facial expressions, right? That's one of the most commonly noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, So facial expressions communicate, vocal tone and intonation and volume (laughs) communicate, and probably... And I, you guys can't see, but I'm leaning back in my chair a lot today, so I'm trying not to be quite as loud as I know I can be. <laughs> I don't know what I'm communicating by being loud all the time. Enthusiasm. There you go. There that's you what go. I'll say. Yeah, that's really um, right. So vocal tone, intonation, and, and volume. Um, also body posture you know, is a big thing. Um, and something that I won't go too far into, because um, I'm not as aware of the science behind it, but I know it's there, is smell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on mm-hmm. a level that we are not consciously aware of, mm-hmm. we are communicating pheromonally with those around us. Um, and so, you know, different, um, different. you know, that's part of how our emotions are your communicating sw- to others.
0: Your sweat when you're stressed is different than your sweat yes. where it's like, oh, it's warm outside. Yep. Like I'm calm, it's the weather's warm, so my body's doing its natural thing of sweating to cool me down. But your sweat can smell really totally different, different yep. based off of where you are at emotionally.
1: Weird. I don't know. This may sound team, but with clients, I don't know if you've noticed this. I have a really strong sense of smell and always mm-hmm. have. Crying, like oh, I'm crying a bit. Mm-hmm. That has like a certain almost non You almost can't smell. Mm-hmm. It. But people who have been like ugly crying mm. like misery crying that mm-hmm. deep long lasting crying it has a unique smell like mm. it's absolutely different people come in and i'm like oh even if you're not crying right now i know you have been wow like, that's they interesting smell well like, and i don't misery. have a very strong sense of smell actually <laughs> I,
0: so i haven't noticed that but i will totally take you yeah. on your word that that's legitimate. I can, yeah i can and yeah. it
1: smells different tears that are just like leaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) smell different i'm
0: I'm chopping onions yeah
1: (laughs) yes or just like or that song touched me or Uh that you know like small emotional tears don't smell like much of anything but ugh, emotional Mm -hmm. tears and the snot probably too but has a has a smell anyway so that's part of how these communicate to other people Mm -hmm. um that's sort of how it communicates. And then I think that purpose, sort of going back to how I started, is that to pull people in or push people away. Yep. Right? That is one of those two things. If I'm joyous, it's probably a pull people in. Let's Mm -hmm. share this joy. If I'm sad, kind of like how Michelle was talking about, it's like a please comfort me. Please Mm -hmm. take care of me. You know, if you think about your body posture, your vocal tones, like the stuff when you're really sad... A lot of it is, if you think on a more primal level, communicating that you're not a threat. Mm -hmm. Right? You tend to be small. You tend to be collapsed in on yourself. You tend to be quiet. Right? It's all very non-threatening. So it's like, I'm safe to come and cuddle. (laughs) Like, God, we make so much gestures. Um, (laughs) Right? So joy is, you know, come nearer. Um, and uh, sadness is come nearer. Anger Mm -hmm. is stay away. Um, Disgust is certainly stay away. Yeah, or Um, avoid, yeah, that person. Avoid that person. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so get away from me is probably what what, (laughs) most of what disgust is saying. If it's Towards a person. Yeah. Um, if it, it could be a shared, let's all get away from that thing, depending mm-hmm. on what the disgusting thing is. If there's a horrible smell, you'll see everyone in the area reacting the same way. That is true. <laughs> yep. um, and uh, I think similarly with fear. That's what I was about to say. It feels very the Dependent. same. Dependent. Um, yeah. If
0: you see someone being afraid... I mean, one, that communicates a lot about the situation. That person's freaking out? Yeah. Oh, what are they freaking out about? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so maybe I should be freaking out too, right? Yeah. It's a bit of a
0: join me in moving away. Yeah. Because you do <laughs> right. need other If something genuinely bad is going on.
1: Yeah. You and want to group up. And the
0: fear is warranted. Yeah, exactly. You want to group up. You want to. safety in numbers. Exactly. School of fish. Yes. the whole idea. So, yeah, I mean, fear can communicate. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of things.
1: Yeah, depending. I think mm-hmm. that's very environmentally influenced. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, so I'd say, am I missing anything that it I talks you about? touched on all of the five emotions, so I think you're doing good there. The other thing that I was thinking of when you were talking, which I legitimately can't remember the name, so maybe you can remember the name. Okay. But what you were talking about at the beginning of how our tone of voice, uh, um, our body language, how all that's communicated. There was a word for that, and I can't remember it non-verbal. at all.
1: Nonverbal?
0: Yeah, nonverbal. There was something else, too, and I can't remember. Um, but And I can't remember also the uh, exact number, but something about like 80%. 80% okay, like we that. must be out because we both said it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's not what It's we not say. about your words. And... Pretty much everything else that we're doing, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, it's is indicating our emotional yep.
1: state. And we're doing it whether we like it or not, by the yeah. way. That's another point where it talks about on here, and it's super true. I think that goes back to, like, <laughs> that base minimum. You smell different whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. right? Like, we are always communicating.
0: And we're always picking up on other people's yep body language we're always reading other people and making snap judgments and a lot of what they're communicating to us is about their emotional state whether they know it or not so not
1: the smell because it's photographs but and i don't know i think this touches on it if nothing else it's just really cool and i thought about it they did a study where they flashed you know the the study participants were shown faces of Mm -hmm. people but like fast enough that their conscious mind was not even really aware that there'd been a thing to see. Like, mm-hmm. fractions of seconds. And we have a startlingly good ability to be able to make judgments about the people we just saw. Mm-hmm. In, like, fractions of seconds. I buy it. That we yeah. didn't even know we saw a face. Like, what what were some of the things? Amusingly enough, Criminality was one that we're actually pretty good at. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, um, like, how... Uh, gregarious, how outgoing, how, mm. how friendly a person is. Um, I can't remember. There was like something else. Competence or leadership. Something oh. like that. <laughs> anyway, oh. there were a few different ones, and some were better at than others, but realistically, that whole first impressions thing is serious. Um, yeah. And we're communicating about ourselves with our with our faces, mm-hmm. with our bodies, with our voices all the time. And we're also picking up on others. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a reason why if you go into a room full of people you don't know, there are going to be some people that you gravitate probably feel towards. more comfortable with. Yeah, that you may gravitate towards. And then some people that you're like, eh, they can stay over there and I'm good with that. But, like, I, I literally just had this image cut to me, <laughs> which is so silly. But... <laughs> Like, if we were walking through the world, everybody, with completely neutral facial expressions uh, at all times, uh, we would probably not be able to form any kind of social connections yeah, bonds with would be people really hard. because we wouldn't have those emotional signals that are really important for indicating, yeah, do yeah, I go towards this person or away, as yep. you've been talking about. So, yeah, emotions are huge for that with communicating to mm-hmm. other people. They do a lot of that. And building off of that... Our emotions communicate to ourselves. Um, so, this is something that, oh, I believe we talked about this with Wise Mind, with our Wise Mind episode, like way long ago, of kind of that idea of just like being able to tune into our oh, bodies a little bit. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. And maybe we've touched on it too throughout like our mindfulness episodes, but it's one of those things where our emotions live in our bodies, mm-hmm. our emotions live in our nervous system. That's where our signals come from, more or less, is how our how our body is reacting physically to something gives us a lot of information. And sometimes our bodies react physically mm-hmm. before we're consciously aware of something. Like, <laughs> as we were just talking about, the stress sweat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you may be sitting there for like a job interview and... <laughs> Unfortunately. like your body is doing its thing feeling that emotion and your body is communicating to you like basically hey we're nervous about
1: this mm-hmm.
0: and this is a big deal mm-hmm. and I'm helping you get ready um you know with me being a dancer for a long time mm-hmm. it was one of those things where before we would go on stage for performance um it was yeah this thing where we would being nervous was always good um, oh. The way that our bodies were reacting, it's like okay, my body's getting me prepped, and we all had to kind of view it that way, Interesting. more or less, to be like nerves are good because otherwise, what our body maybe would want to—it's
1: more sluggish, less on point, less. Empathized. Yeah, it's like run away, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you know,
0: flee. Don't don't oh, do this performance. RG, this fair, is overwhelming because I'm nervous. But we'd have to kind of mind hack ourselves a little bit to be like know what our body is telling us is a good thing. So when it's Oh yeah, go well, for just it. Just because I think you yeah, mentioned yeah. it last
1: time mm-hmm. um, was the the whole like people who may have come from families where emotions weren't talked about. Yes, we did. Talk or about were that. they like were subsumed a lot? I mm-hmm. think that one of the other. You might be about to get to this. I always, oh no, like, you're all say her stuff first, but yeah. the that it, it it when you start to pay attention to emotions if you haven't previously. Mm-hmm that can be a whole other way that they communicate. Like, if you're kind of in your emotions anyway and kind Mm -hmm. of aware of them all the time, this might seem kind of, well, duh to you or obvious. Mm -hmm. But for people who are kind of tuned out from their emotions, when they first start paying attention or tuning in, you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, Mm -hmm. this is giving me so much information about myself and the world and, like, what I do or don't want, what -hmm. what I'm afraid of, what I want to move towards or away from, right? There's that whole idea again that maybe you've been cut off Mm -hmm. from that. Um, stream of information <laughs> yeah. for yourself. And... No, that's a
0: that's a great point because the reality is that even if it's whether it's really quiet or whether it's really loud, we all have intuition of mm-hmm. some kind. We all have gut feelings. We all have that voice in the back of our head. We have that. Um, we just have to tune into it and listen to it. And as you were just talking about, if you know you've grown up in an environment where listening to that gut feeling was invalidated or not safe to do yeah, or shamed or, or shut
1: down. Yeah, or.
0: exactly. Then it's going to be tough to let your emotions actually communicate to you and allow yourself to have them. Um but the thing we're going to be getting into a lot more over the coming weeks as we talk about emotion regulation is that I mean, it's about figuring out how to be in touch with your emotions, and mm-hmm. then it's also figuring out, you know, how you can make wise mind choices about what you want to do with yeah. those emotions. Yeah, because so yeah, we said
1: like feelings, not facts, right? So right. they are they are information. Bringers, yeah, but you do still have to go through a vetting process of the information. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, listen to the information, mm-hmm. but don't just immediately take it at face value and run with it. Right. Also, I have no idea how good the microphone is, so I just want to say if you're hearing bass, <laughs> yeah. that is my husband putting away the dishes. And so, good job him. <laughs> we always make up complaints about people not doing them. He's doing them. Yep, but he's doing Putting my silverware is loud, even in another room. Yep. <laughs> um, so and it's not the cat. it's something else. Yeah, something else today. We I mean, <laughs> don't have the cats
0: in the room with us for once. Um,
1: I was trying to think if there
0: was anything else I wanted to say about that, or anything else you want to add on. But yeah, I mean, our emotions just when we listen to them, they they guide us, yeah. and we just get to decide whether we want to again go with what they're suggesting mm-hmm. or maybe make a different choice or whatever it is. But, yeah, our emotions give us lots of information. And it, because I was doing this with the last one, now I'm trying to imagine what if we had a world where, again, like <laughs> we didn't get emotional. I mean, I think it is kind of what you're saying. You'd be staring at the pasta for three hours yeah, trying to make a Assusion. choice. Yep. It wouldn't be communicating to you about choose this, not that. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that idea that we were talking about more at the beginning of what we like. Yeah. That's very much our emotions communicating yep. to ourselves. Like, pick this thing, not that thing.
1: Yeah, and some of them um, are super important. Like, not, I mean, <clears throat> so like and dislike, like joy or disgust mm-hmm. is like good and important and helps us make decisions, but like fear is so important. Yeah. Because you just die. You just die. Yeah, you would. Being actually, people like to sit, call someone fearless as a compliment. It'd be like a death sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being actually fearless, you just walk in front of cars and shit. Like, it's yeah. it, bad, bad plans. Bad plans. Give your emotions a big thumbs up, even if they're the uncomfortable ones. They serve a purpose. (laughs) Yep, they're telling you to
0: not walk in front of that car. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, they do. They tell us a lot about what we want to choose in life, and, um, yeah, just, I I guess they tell us a lot about, I don't know, I was going to say, like, our personalities, too, but, yeah, just kind of, yeah, likes, dislikes. Sort of the same thing I just said, just repeating it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right. So next, we're going to talk a little bit about what makes it hard to regulate your emotions. Yeah, you know um, what they are, why yep, we have them yep, a little bit, but that doesn't <laughs> you doesn't mean, make it easy. <laughs> you mean, Michelle, that doesn't instantly allow us to completely regulate them at all times. Oh, I wish. Um, <laughs> no. Um. So, uh, my first thought is just with all of these, we're gonna I'm going to talk about three reasons, and Michelle's going to talk about three reasons, but like. Be kind to yourself, please. Yeah.
0: Um, maybe we can actually say, the end, I just thought about this and totally interrupted you, but maybe at right. the end, once we get through all yeah. of these, maybe you and I can each say what gets in our way the okay. most to just really sure. validate that... You know,
1: we're here. this comes up for everyone. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, right, so be, be kind, because there are a lot of reasons that this is difficult, um, and no one is perfect at doing this. Um, but here are some things that specifically can make it difficult, and we're going to talk maybe a little bit about either what you can or can't do about it and stuff like that. So uh, the first one is just biology. Um, on a DBT level, kind of keep wanting to lean into the microphone. Stop it. Um, the... <laughs> On a um, on a DBT level um, later later in emotion regulation for right? please please, please. is emotion regulation yeah please okay. is coming up fairly soon, soon. okay yeah so uh, there's a skill called please where we will talk about this way more in depth so that's a little bit of a coming soon to DBT and me <laughs> um, but also. I think we talked about this a little bit when I was talking about neurobiology. The limbic system is the part of the brain that, you know, is responsible for all of our ah of any sort, whether that's excitement or terror or anything in between. Um, And some people are just born with a more active limbic system. That Mm -hmm. is just a thing. Some people develop a more active limbic system by being raised in abusive and traumatic households. There are a number of different reasons that can literally alter the structure of our brain, change our biology, in such a way that it makes our emotions bigger, stronger, harder to regulate. Um, So um with some of the smaller things things that aren't just like the baseline of how your brain is functioning um we'll talk about that with the please skill in mm-hmm. a week or three somewhere in there um and uh but with regards to the you know the limbic system or other things that's a place to just be really kind to yourself mm-hmm. and to develop strategies that acknowledge that like uh, you know hey i do tend to feel things more strongly than other people so maybe that gives me a thing to weigh in when i'm deciding how factual my emotional state is or how in line with reality it is right it's a it's information to have both to be kind to yourself and to, you know, balance your world around once you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, to a certain degree or another, our bodies do what they do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, so, kindness, kindness, kindness. Um, the next one is lack of skill. So, you, you don't know how to do it. Um, well, A... Uh, we haven't gotten to it yet. So literally at this point, we haven't even tried to teach you. Yeah. You're to... in the right place, though, to learn. <laughs> yes. That's what we're here to do <laughs> is
0: teach you skills.
1: Um, and so that I would say that just be patient with yourself there, right? If you're on this DBT journey and you're trying to gain these specific skills, uh, then just be patient yeah. and let yourself accumulate them. Let yourself fail at them a lot um, because it's new and it's difficult and you're not going to be perfect to start with. You're yeah. probably going to be subpar to start with and that's yep. okay that's how humans start and learn yeah um but also keep track of what skills you already have mm-hmm. so if you're not like start to finishing this you know podcast um or you know if you have other therapeutic skills that have nothing to do with dbt or hell if you have survived to this point in your life i guarantee you you have skills you yep. may never have thought of it in that terminology <laughs> but you have some um so when you think that you don't have them maybe you're right but also maybe you're not giving yourself credit. So trying to engage in some sort of exercise where maybe you look at the skills you already have and find some way to document them in a place that you can turn to when you're really flooded. That can be really helpful. Um, And the next thing, and this one might sound a little bit weird, is reinforcement of emotional behavior. Um, So something in your environment is reinforcing you when you are acting highly emotional. Um, So to put this in terms that don't make some people feel bad about themselves but think about toddlers that's what i was thinking of right um and first of all no shade being thrown at parents of toddlers it's a tough job it's a i yeah i had a three-year-old living with me for a while oh yes (laughs) difficult um so not not trying to throw shade but we've all certainly seen it or had it happen with ourselves where a kid is throwing a tantrum and you just can't even anymore and so you give the kid the thing Whatever the thing is. Um, well, unfortunately, that particular action in that particular moment <laughs> mm-hmm. serves to reinforce that child throwing a tantrum. Right? Um, because they're like, aha! All I had to do was be loud enough, and I got the thing. Right? And their brain records that mm-hmm. um, in some fashion. Now, one time doing that, you're not going to turn your child into spoiled brat. Don't worry about it. But uh, that's the kind of thing. So, But translate that into your adult life. right? Maybe... Your partner is so far out of emotion mind that in order to get them to notice that you have emotions at all, you have to throw a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, maybe literally, but, you know, that idea, right? You you don't have your emotions validated or recognized in your environment until they're huge. Yeah. Right? That can be one way. There, you know, so... I don't I think we talked too long if I can't with all the different examples. But basically there are a lot of different ways that things in your environment maybe don't give you what you need or want or are looking for until you go kind of over the top. Yep. Emotionally. And that can make it hard to back down, even if you don't like being in that huge emotional space, because generally mm. that's not comfortable. When you start backing off, you might notice that your environment is giving you less of what you need or want, and that's going to be a whole other problem to navigate. So just, that one is mostly a lot of validation. If you're able to notice that about your environment, you're already getting a leg up on being able to navigate it. If you just go, oh, huh, my partner's my parent, my boss, my roommate, my sister, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they are totally reinforcing my emotional breakdowns. Mm -hmm. So how can I try and navigate that? Just the awareness is a big Thumbs up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And the next one is moodiness. <laughs> so I feel like it can go hand in hand a little bit with the last one. Um, but basically, this is just the idea that you know, we're not always in our wise minds. And so if you're more in your emotion mind in particular, you're going to get that I don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to put you in a position where it's going to be harder to regulate your emotions if you're in emotion mind, which makes sense. And sometimes it's one of those things where we... Simply, I mean, learning these skills and practicing these skills and implementing these skills takes a lot of time Time, and effort. So it's one of those things where, like Kate talked a moment ago, maybe you just don't have the skills, but even when you do get the skills... Then it's about wanting to use them and remembering to and and all this stuff. And depending on what mood you're in, all of that may make that more challenging. You may be in a place of willfulness, which is a term we get to way far down the line. of Just like digging in your heels and being like, yeah, I know I could do my DBT skills. Or I just, you know, whatever. Like, (laughs) I don't want to today. Um, And we just, in a way, are choosing to not regulate our emotions and again i want to give some validation there because it's one of those things where like we're never perfect 100 percent of the time and i think especially as adults there can just be those times where it's like i know i could do the adulting thing yes i know i could do the dishes before i go to bed but whatever i don't want to like (laughs) i mean i
1: I especially i do get into the place of like i don't want to use my skills Mm -hmm. like that's been a thing especially uh, looking back, mm-hmm. like when I first, I mentioned this in the first episode, when I went through DBT at 19 yeah. as a client slash patient, whatever, um, and I was doing a lot of self-harming, there <laughs> were totally times where I, I can't say anything, but I actively chose to self-harm instead of using skills. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're I was just like, no, fuck it. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I want to do the thing that's familiar. I want to yep. do the thing that I know that's how it easier. works. That's easier, right? Like, yep. and I, I, so yeah. Super calling myself out so that y'all feel normal. I have yep. in almost those exact words thought to myself, "No, I don't want yep. to use my skills.
0: Yep. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just gonna not gonna in the it. mood. I don't yep. feel like it. Yeah, so that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about there. Um, the next one is emotional overload. So. There are times and situations where your emotions may go from zero to 60. And when we're in a state of emotional overload. On a scale of 10. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, 60 on a went through 10 scale. Yeah, yeah right. High. Flooded. Really high. Yeah, being flooded, being completely overwhelmed so that you're just in a position where you're kind, I don't know, you get into survival mode. Like I think about when I was in a car accident that was about a year and a half ago now but I mean I rear-ended someone and of mm-hmm. course my body got flooded yep. I was literally shaking feeling so much fear and also like a little later down the line but pissed off at myself yeah. <laughs> for because the accident was completely my fault but I was so overloaded and the thing is which we touched on some last week with the lion story when we're emotionally overloaded we're not thinking like our reasonable mind To get done goes Offline. Yep. It really does. And so remembering to use skills really takes effort. Time. And, yeah, yeah it's going to be really hard to do if you're emotionally overloaded when something really, really big happens. That's going to make it hard to regulate your emotions because the emotion is humongous. Um so that's something, too. And there are DBT skills for this that will get to you down the line of basically when you're, I mean, DBT calls it, which I don't necessarily really like this term, but your skills breakdown point. No, I hate that That's term. what DBT calls it. Um, but anyways, like when you get to that state of mind where you are completely flooded, what can you do? To in a way bring yourself down to then bring your reasonable mind back online and start making more complex decisions. decisions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, emotional overload is a real thing that makes it hard to regulate your emotions and um, keep them. I guess one could say at a more of a wise mind level,
1: (laughs) accessible to our thinking
0: brain. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And then the very last thing, which is more or less a sneak preview for the next episode we're going to record, is that one of the things that makes it hard to regulate our emotions is what DBT calls emotion myths. Basically, you've been receiving messages about emotions. From the time you were born.
1: Yep, What emotions
0: one. are good, quote, unquote. What emotions are bad, quote, unquote. <laughs> um, when you feel an emotion, what you do with it. Like, I was actually thinking of this when you were talking about so many lack of skill. Oh, well, yeah. Um, I mean, if you get to be the age of, I don't know, five? Yeah. God, I hope your parents have taught you some skills. To regulate your emotions. Because, as you touched on, too, like, Two, three, four-year-olds, they mm-hmm. really need those. But well, no, to
1: healthfully regulate your emotions. Can we put that term yes, in front? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah.
0: That's a very important disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, because you may have learned some ways to handle your emotions that were completely unhealthy Yeah, and just involved you mm-hmm. shitting on yourself, a lot of shame, shutting down, Yeah, and now we want to teach you other ways. So, But with all of that, you get these messages about... Emotions and what to do with them, um, if it's okay to feel them or not okay to feel them. And DBT calls these myths, which I think is important because ninety-nine percent of the
1: time, yeah, (laughs) what you
0: learned about emotions maybe was not very accurate at all. And it's been perhaps guiding you to make certain decisions that don't actually serve you or they make it hard to regulate your emotions so next week what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through i think it's 20 20 21. different 20. myths oh no that's
1: another. we could yeah. pick our own we could make oh, our own yeah up. we
0: could make our own up mm-hmm. um at least 20 myths <laughs> about um emotions and we're basically gonna be debunking them yep. so it's gonna go obviously fairly quickly otherwise that episode will be forever um but it is one of those things that We carry these messages with us, and when we can start debunking them a little bit, it can
1: change our view of emotions yeah, Yeah,
0: and move forward, and then it frees us up to figure out, again, new ways of what we want to do with our emotions when we have them. So, yeah, and with homework for this week, I'm going to read the – I mean, again, we're getting to number six next week – I'm going to read the five back to you that we just talked about real briefly about what makes it hard to regulate your emotions. And I would say for homework, I would encourage you to take some time to think about which one you maybe struggle with the most. And Kate and I are actually going to share this too before we wrap up the episode of which one we struggle with the most. But think about it. Which one do you struggle with the most? Um, If journaling is your jam, journaling's my jam. It's not everyone's jam, which is totally fine. But if it is your jam, you know, maybe you can take an extra step to spend some time journaling about it. Um, why you think that one is the toughest for you, what's contributed to that being a challenge. So I'm going to read back over, again, I'm going to leave off emotion myths because we're getting to that next week, but I'm going to read over the other five, which are biology, lack of skill, reinforcement of emotional behavior, moodiness, and emotional overload. So rewind that if you need it again. Oh right. <laughs> um, yeah, we're each gonna talk about the one that we struggle with the most. Um, do you feel like you have one off the top no. of your head, or do you want me to you go, go for first?
1: Because I've like have four, and I probably should pick one. Yeah,
0: four out of five. I know. It I is. mean, I'm kind of torn between two. I'm torn a little bit between biology and moodiness. So, (laughs) biology, which we're going to get to with the plea skills, but I do not a very great job of regulating my emotions when I am hungry, when I am tired. Um, If my internal, or when I'm in pain, or whatever it may be, when my physiology, my biology is off kilter, my emotions tend to go with it. So, that's something that I notice for myself. And with the moodiness, um, I think for myself it doesn't, look necessarily exactly how I was talking about it but for me sometimes with moodiness I just get in a mood where I mean I guess it falls in line with the I don't wanna Mm -hmm. but I just want to be by myself I don't want to deal with the thing (laughs) I mean I guess that actually is really in line with it in a way I think about it as I'm not necessarily consciously choosing this but I just want to avoid yeah Um, that can show up for me sometimes, and I would say that falls under moodiness. I just, I don't want to think about my emotions. I don't want to go talk to the people I need to talk to to resolve an issue. I just want to. Like numb out or, yeah. yeah. a little bit. Just go watch a show. Just go read. Um And and Yeah, that I would
1: say is me being moody. What do I want to do? You can do it, Kate. I know. So I actually think, I don't know, I'm going to go with somewhere between moodiness and emotional overload. Um, which I actually think is influenced by biology, because I think I might be one of those people with quite a limbic system going on Mm -hmm. um, for various (laughs) sundry reasons. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I have certainly in my life had a lot of moments of that total emotional overload. Um, And for me, that comes with, like, a sense that, like, as irrational as it sounds out of the moment that like that emotion is never going to end mm-hmm. like it just seems mm-hmm. permanent and huge and unconquerable yeah um and so that that certainly is probably the one where i've struggled the most to regulate them is because my thinking at the time is Woo-hoo! like totally off kilter um yeah. and so there's this sense of futility against in the face of the emotion mm-hmm. like Nothing to do but flop over (laughs) and just let it run roughshod over me. Um, So that's probably one of my bigger struggles, I would say.
0: Yep. So think about it for yourself. Think about which of those five you maybe struggle with the most, and you can certainly be like us and pick two. Um, (laughs) Because it's really hard to pick just one, and there is a lot of overlap overlap between them. Um, So, yeah. And send us any emails that you guys have, especially with this emotion stuff. Um, If you have questions about emotions that we didn't address in this episode or the last one, or scenarios in your life that are proving to be challenging for you, we'd love to help you out. So the email is dbtandmepodcast at Mm gmail.com. Are we
1: moving on to closing moments? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I want a closing moment. I know. I'm making this one. Off the top of my head. I know. The chair's going to creak. We've learned this. You just have to get in the creaky position, whatever makes you happy. I'm good. I'm ready. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So, to begin with, find a comfortable position, sitting, standing, laying down, whatever seems best for you in the moment. And if you're comfortable doing so, close your eyes. As usual, we're going to start by just tuning into our breath. We don't have to breathe any more slowly or any more deeply than you are naturally. It's just about paying attention. Following the breath down into the lungs, letting it welcome you into your body and into the present moment. When you've really settled in and you feel present and aware, I want you to take a moment and check in with your feelings. What emotional state are you in right now? Make room for however many different emotions show up when you ask the question. Give it a minute for new ones to arise. Maybe stuff from your day before you were listening decides to show up now that you're paying attention. And just let those emotions become present, become realized in your body and in your mind right now. Once you feel like you have them in your body and in your mind, Take a moment to turn towards gratitude for those emotions. See if you can puzzle out, what are they telling you to move towards or away from? And why? Does it bring up information that surprises you? Does it push you in a direction that you weren't expecting? maybe this is exactly what you thought it would be either way just take this moment to appreciate all of the information that these emotions are giving to you all of the things they're trying to communicate and all of the directions they're trying to help you go remember of course that you have the choice just because your emotions are urging you toward or away from something else doesn't mean you have to do it but even if you choose to act contrary to your emotional state take a moment to give thanks for the information that it's giving you really take a second to honor that these emotions are helping you learn about yourself Learn about those around you. Learn about and interact with your environment. Take a moment to just enjoy the awareness of all of these different emotional states that might show up right now. None good, none bad. All just informational. All just here to help guide you. When you feel like you've listened to all of them and sorted them out, allow yourself to let go of them and start to come back into your body. Still holding on to that sense of gratitude and thankfulness and remembering that you always have this option to tune in, to see what you're feeling and what those feelings say. Now, if you're ready, Take two or three slow, deep breaths. As you're doing so, you might roll your wrists or ankles, roll your neck, just coming back into your body, out of the immediate emotional states, and back into the room when you're ready to open your eyes. Thanks so much, everybody. All right, see you next week.
0: To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT
1: and Me Podcast.